Canberra. It's Ngunnawal country, it's our capital city, but what represents the Australian Capital Territory? On a crisp and chilly morn in Canberra As the kookaburras laughed on the hill You might think it's Telstra Tower on Black Mountain or Lake Burley Griffin in the middle of the city that represents our wonderful place to be. Officially, it's the Royal Bluebell that's our floral emblem. We've got the Gang Gang Cockatoo as our faunal emblem and just recently, our mammal emblem was announced as the southern brush-tailed rock wallaby. But this place has a fantastic history. Before the Ngunnawal people were even here, there was a geological history happening in Canberra. And so how can we represent that? Well, we need a fossil emblem. In my vision of Australia's Canberra Awesome, really important because they tell us about past life and, and past environments and and so we can reconstruct earth history using the, the the big fossils and the little trace fossils and things that we find in the rocks and so we can use them to to determine the age of rocks by uh, comparative stratigraphy um, between a fossil that we're looking at in one site and, and other occurrences around the world and, and they tell us a lot about Earth history, about, you know, the, the formation of the atmosphere, um, about the assembly and disassembly of continents, you know, about, about continental drift and plate tectonics. That's Dr Ian Roach, a senior geologist from Geoscience Australia, and he loves fossils. He's been protecting them in Canberra for many years. Well, when, when um, the announcement was made for... Um, the construction of the Madura Parkway, um, I um, got in touch with some of my colleagues at Geoscience Australia. Um, as a member of the Geological Society of Australia, we actually have a heritage committee that works within the ACT to identify and preserve uh, geological heritage. And um, we got talking to the, the contractor, the engineering contractor, the um, Snowy Mountains Engineering Corporation, and um, started talking to them about how we can uh, make sure this site is not uh, damaged and actually preserve the site. Because uh, I've been visiting that site for uh, nigh on 40 years, first as a schoolboy learning geology and then uh, through university as, as an undergraduate being taught it and then actually teaching it to other people uh, as I went through my career as a lecturer at the two universities here in town. Um, and so we um, worked very closely with the engineers to make sure that we preserved the site. We actually had the site fenced out, so uh, no machinery could enter the site. Um, we, um, they unfortunately had to widen the road, um, Fairburn Avenue, to accommodate two lanes, and so they actually ate into the face of the, the outcrop of the Narrabunda Ashstone. So we made sure they did that in a as sensitive manner as you can using earth-moving equipment and, and to try and preserve the, the site as much as possible. But, yeah, the actual fossils at Woolshed Creek, we preserved the actual site. But also when they were doing the earth-moving for the uh, parkway, we actually uh, got 
several truckloads of very, very fossil-laden rock. And how do you know if you find a fossil? Amateur geologist Doug Newton-Walters let us know. We, we often talk about how the easiest way to tell a fossil is to lick it. If it's a fossil of, of bone or other uh, porous material, it actually sticks to your tongue because it has a larger surface area because it's porous, uh, whereas rocks are less porous, so they don't stick. But of course, in these times of COVID-safe practices, Fuzzy Logic does not condone rock licking. Leave that to the professionals. So many fossils can be found around Canberra, but why does Canberra need a fossil emblem? Uh, look, everybody needs a fossil emblem. Uh, fossils are cool. They are just inherently wonderful. That's Natalie Schroeder, a keen geologist and chair of the Fossil Selection Committee for the ACT. It's also, I think, a chance for um, Canberra and the rest of Australia, for that matter, um, to uh, find out about Canberra's, uh, the ACT's surprisingly rich fossil um, fauna um, given that it's such a small area and it all happened in such a short time, 25 million years, that's a short time geologically speaking. Um, it, was a, it was a very important time in Australia, the generation of the Australian uh, fauna and the continent itself. So it's a really nice place to start um, having a bit of a think and a learn about um, the, the geolog geological history of Eastern Australia. It's a, it was a pretty um, volatile time, shall we say. Yes, you might think of Canberra as a pretty boring place, geologically speaking. But back in that age of the Silurian period, there was a lot going on. That's a time um, when the great supercontinent of Gondwana was, was uh, assembled and being built. And the Canberra region was dominated by a series of volcanoes and, and shallow seas. And these volcanoes had limestone reefs around them and these uh, very limey, muddy sediments. And it's all about 430 million years ago. But that's when a lot of the sedimentation in the Canberra region was occurring. Uh, in the in the Ordovician, we were about 550 million years ago. The Canberra region was a, was a, a deep ocean and the sedimentation was quite um, slow. We got a lot of mudstone and siltstone being deposit, deposited with the, the odd uh, rush of sandstones coming through, off, uh, coming off um, um, highlands to our, to our south in that case. And then gradually the land got built up uh, and the sedimentary pile we see turned into uh, a much more limestone, and volcanic rocks as well, as, as this arc of volcanoes came through the region. So there was a lot going on in Canberra and many fossils forming, but how many fossils can we find in the ACT? I have to say, until I started this project, I had no idea there were so many. I knew there were a few, but, uh, um, yeah, there were, there were quite a few more than I um, expected. It was, we, we had some quite interesting discussions about um, who was in and who'd be out. Yes, it was a veritable who's who of fossils in the Australian Capital Territory as the shortlist was put together. But I wanted to make sure whether my favourite fossil was in the list. That's Sean the Prawn up in Parliament House. Have you seen Sean? He's in the marble up there and embedded. He's a famous little character. 
So I checked with Natalie whether Sean had made the short list. <laughs> I've got some bad news for you there. Prawn, Sean the prawn is actually a brachiopod. Um, it just happens to have been um, the way the, the stone's been cut. It just looks like a prawn, but he's a brachiopod. And I'm not sure that you can um, – I'm not a brachiopod expert, but I don't think that you can actually tell what species of brachiopod he is. And also I think he's a, he's a foreign uh, – Brachiopod, rather than a, a local born and bred, he's. Um, I think the marble came from Italy. And while we're definitely a multicultural society here in Australia, I think if we want a Canberran fossil emblem, we have to find something that was local all those millions of years ago. So, what was on the local shortlist? Oh, there's um, oh at least half a dozen trilobites. Uh, probably 15 or so um, brachiopods. Um, there's uh, um, crinoids, so sort of um, critters that are related to starfish and sea urchins and that sort of thing, um, corals, um, graptolites, shouldn't forget them. Um, so there's actually a surprising array of things that we could have chosen. Um, some of them didn't make the cut because they weren't scientifically described. Um, there's a, a really beautiful crinoid that I'd have loved to have been able to put up. I think it would have won in a canter, but um, it's just not quite well enough preserved to for it to be described scientifically, so we sort of had to put that one aside. Um, and same with the corals. Nobody knows anything much about them. Um, so um, it came down to... Graptolites and the trilobites and brachiopods. Graptolites, trilobites and the brachiopods. But what species made the shortlist? It's time for the ultimate fossil showdown. In the first quarter, we have the bad-tasting brachiopod. It's Retziella capricorniae. In the next quarter along, the cute and charming trilobite. It's Batacara michelli. Next up, it's the mysterious hidden graptolite. It's Monograptus exigus. And in the fourth quarter, the humble little clam, another brachiopod. It's Atripoduntrinensis. And finally, in the fifth corner of this weird pentagon-shaped boxing ring, the tough trilobite punching above its weight, it's Apocalamine Coppensensus. Let's get ready to fossil! We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I've got five geologists here ready to rumble and put the case forward for their fossil on the shortlist for ACT's fossil emblem. You're listening to Fuzzy Logic. Welcome back to Fuzzy Logic. My name is Broderick Matthews and I'm here today to ask if you voted. No, I'm not talking about the ACT election. I'm talking about the ACT fossil emblem election. Before the break, we heard about the importance of fossils and why we need an ACT fossil emblem. 
and you get the chance to vote for it. As a Canberran citizen, you can make your choice as to what fossil you think should represent us as a territory. I had a chat to some geologists earlier this week who all made their own pitch for their favourite fossil. And first up is Monica Young. I'm pitching for Ritziella. I couldn't... I had a really hard time deciding which one I liked best. So um, I told everybody else to take their fossil and I just took what was left in the end because they all have their endearing features. I mean, Ritziella, for a start, is a lovely name. It's definitely a lovely name, but what does the Retziella fossil look like? It's a brachiopod. Now, most people today wouldn't have a clue what a brachiopod is because we don't really find them on the beaches. We find mostly bivalves. And um, so everybody knows the shells on the beach. They have two valves. If you put your two hands together and hinge them with the little finger, um, you basically have two valves or shell halves that are basically the same. Whereas a brachiopod is different in that it looks more like a scallop. And sorry, a scallop is not a brachiopod, but it's got a bottom valve and it's got a top valve and it's hinged at the back. So you put your hands like you want to clap, put them on top of each other, bend your hands and then just sort of lift up the top one and put it down. So they can open the top valve for feeding and they can snap close to protect themselves. And where would we have found Retziella? They did pretty well in what they call the Paleozoic, but certainly in Canberra we find them in rocks aged between about oh, sorry, 425 to 430 million years ago. Um, the environment that they lived in was what's generally called shallow marine. However, um, I think, including myself, when you hear shallow marine, you think you're sort of up to your knees. But actually, shallow marine is defined as down to 200 meters. Brachiopods used to anchor themselves. They still do, the modern ones. I'll get to them in a minute. They used to anchor themselves on the seafloor. And it looked, when they sort of sit there on their pedicle, which goes into the bottom of the seafloor, um, they look a bit like a fresh bean that's just sprouted. You still have the shell of the, the seed bean um, around the inside and a stalk actually anchoring it in the ground. So that's probably the best analogy to look at them. And... Um, they, being in shallow marine, they didn't live like a lot of wave action because if you're sort of precariously anchored in soft or even on rocks, um, you don't like to be moved about by ocean currents and waves and everything else. So 200 meters is kind of below wave base, and that's where they lived. And so these little creatures were stuck there, but how did they survive? They had predators, obviously, amongst themselves. But one funny thing that I've sort of found out is that Retziella and probably other brachiopods too taste awful. Now, I sort of wondered as to whose opinion that was. And because we still have brachiopods we can find in New Zealand, 
and in the Southern Ocean sort of coastline and in Antarctica, actually people try them. So I don't think necessarily if it tastes awful to a human, it may not taste awful to whatever was around then. However, they also put some brachiopods into a tank with a crab that had been starving and starved and starved. And it was only after several days of starving that it had a bit of a go at it. So they must taste awful. So I wouldn't say that bad taste necessarily represents Canberra, but why would you say Retziella would make a good fossil emblem representative for the ACT? Most of the rocks that we've got in Canberra seem to be of the age where those five fossil species that are candidates existed. And so whilst Retziella is also found in Queensland and it's found in China and it's found in um, near Bombala, um, it is still part of an assembly that we find in Canberra. So it's probably just being one of the fossils that tells us that it was relatively shallow marine, what its mates were, that it sort of lived with. Um, yeah, it's just the fact that it tells us about the Canberra geological history. It's a part of the puzzle. And if our listeners want to start putting that puzzle together for themselves, where could they find this creature? Where can you find it in person in Canberra? Well, most building sites, when they dig deep, they bring up rocks. So, But, of course, nobody's allowed on building sites. So, um, When they dug up the new overpass at Woolshed Creek, a lot of that material came out and a lot of it was collected for the Geological um, Geoscience Australia and the Geological Society, etc. Um, it was very abundant. You used to be able to find them at um, the Yarralumla Brick Brickworks. Again, that's out of bounds for people. So there aren't, and of course you can see them at Woolshed Creek, but please don't demolish the outcrop. Yes, we have to take care of our fossils that are there for sure. So I'll give you one last chance down, Monica. Make your pitch for Retziella. Why should we be voting for it? It was tough. I reckon when you look at the shell, it was a tough cookie. I mean, it had to be a tough cookie anyway to be anchored and, and sort of float, you know, sort of being bashed around on the seafloor, which would happen occasionally anyway. Um, it had a fairly thick shell, so, yes, it was a rather tough cookie. Well, there you go, folks. If you want to vote for the tough cookie, then get voting for Retziella. But there's four more candidates to go. So let's dive straight into my chat now with Natalie Schroeder, who's telling us about Batakara Michelai. My candidate is uh, Batakara Michelai. Um, I should preface this by saying, firstly, I think all fossils are fantastic. I've never met one I didn't like, so um, I'd be happy with anybody of any of them as a fossil emblem. Um, they're all very worthy candidates. They've got each got a good story. Um, but I think trilobites have a bit of an advantage because everybody knows about them. Well, most people know about them, um, whereas graptolites, um, yeah, nobody's ever heard of them, and brachiopods, they don't have sort of quite the public profile. Um, hard to explain why they're not just some sort of clam, really. But um, Batakara Michelai, it's it's got rugged good looks. It's got that sort of distinctively bumpy head and tail. Um, 
it's 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 the Robert Redford, I think, of ACT fossils. Um, actually, I'm not sure that Robert Redford has a bumpy tail, but you never know. Um, it's also it's the one if you do manage to find a, a, a trilobite in um, in the ACT. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of fossiliferous, fossiliferous rocks um, at the surface in the ACT. Um, but it is actually quite common for them to be found in excavation sites for building sites and infrastructure. Um, you may have seen the post on Facebook about how um, our poster uh, pin-up boy uh, for Batacara, uh, we thought it was from the John Gorton building, but it's not. It's actually from the, the Treasury building. Um, there's also ones from uh, Braddon, I believe there's a... a um, residential development there where they found some batacaras in the, um, well, they were excavating the foundations there or a garage or something. And um, so that development's been named after him, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's other sites all through uh, Canberra where they've been found in um, building diggings, um, sites in Fishwick all over Fishwick, actually, and various other places. So, yeah, if you're going to find a, can a trilobite in Canberra, Batacara is most likely to be it. So it might be an easy-to-find trilobite now, but what would we have found if we were looking for it back when it was alive? He would have been... I don't know why I say he, but he and she would have been scuttling around on the sea floor. Um, there would have been corals and brachiopods and... Um, there's crinoids and various other um, animals living down there, and they would have they probably didn't have the most sort of exciting or um, sexy lifestyle. They were probably scavengers, um, but yeah, they were yeah, they, they they did pretty well at it. So <laughs> they were very good scavengers. So good scavengers back in the day when they were alive. But if you're looking for a fossil now, what sort of things are we looking for? Well, I should say that um, this this very complete one that we've um, been using as our demonstration model, um, they're extremely rare. Uh, usually, and this is not just Batacara with trilobites anywhere, um, usually what you find is a, the, um, the head shield or the body or the tail piece. Um, this is because uh, they were arthropods and arthropods, when they have a hard exoskeleton, so when they need to grow, they have to um, slough off their, their hard exoskeleton and grow a new one. Um, and when they do that, it splits up into the head shield, the uh, body and the, the little triangular tail piece. Um, various other bits tend to fall off as well. So seeing as they... Um, they molt several times in their life. There's plenty of opportunity to make potential fossils, whereas, you know, if you get the – when you see the complete ones, that's the animals actually died um, and they only do that once in their lifetime. So um, so your chances are that you'll only find a head or a tail or maybe the, the middle um, segmented thorax bit. Um, but that's all right. They're, they're, they're pretty cool too. So you definitely think this fossil is pretty cool, Natalie, but uh, I'm going to give you one last chance to pitch it for our listeners. Why should they vote for Batacara? Oh, Batacara is just cute. <laughs> it's, apart from all its other virtues, it's, it's, just, it's just got charm and personality. There you are, folks. If you like your fossils with charm and personality, then vote for Batacara Mitchelli.
But if you still haven't quite made your mind up, then I've still got three more fossils on my list here to get through. The next fossil up comes from Jennifer Cree. I'll let Jennifer introduce her fossil of choice. Our fossil candidate is a graptolite. Um, is Monograptus exiguus. Um, it's a tough one to say. Um, but the graptolites are really, really cool because they're not really like anything we have around today. If you see a fossil of a shell, it looks like a shell, and we know what a shell looks like. But graptolites have always been a little bit enigmatic, a little bit of a mystery. Um, it took a while to work out what they actually were. But they're quite diverse. There are lots of different shapes and forms, and each one is only around for a certain amount of time, which makes them really important fossils for us to work out the age of different types of rocks. So if we know that Monograptus particularly was only around um, around about 480-odd million years ago, then if we find that in a rock, we know it's likely to be that age. If we find rocks and there's no evidence of it, but it's the right area, you know, the right ocean-type fossil, then it can't be that age if it doesn't have that graptolite. So it's like a fossil that helps you tell the time. Yeah, we call them index fossils. So they're often used for dating layers of rock. So a fossil that plays a very important role, but what does it look like? So Monograptus looks essentially like uh, long filaments with regularly spaced little barbs on them. So they used to think that when they first found short-chain graptolites that they were little jaws and teeth from something, but they had no idea what it was. Um, These ones are quite long filaments, but they're very, very regular. So I think if you were looking through rocks, even if you didn't know anything about fossils – You'd notice these because it's a because when we see you know regular patterns in nature, it stands out from just you know the chaos of of the background. Um, so they're quite interesting little things, um, and each one of those little nodes is actually sort of part of the chamber of the body fossil. Uh, sorry, of the body of the animal. Um, And then they're all strung together into these long filaments which would float through the ocean. So does it look like a worm or something different? A tiny little string of jellyfish or a little coral polyps or something to sort of visualise it. They're leaving little hard bits behind, which is what we see in the fossils. So maybe like if you imagine the tiny coral polyps but a whole heap of them playing the conga as they dance through the ocean. I love that visual of the creature dancing through the ocean. But when these fossils were alive, what were they actually doing? What was their day-to-day? So they're filter feeding. Um, So they're eating basically things that are smaller than they are, and that's getting pretty small. Um, So I guess, again, like corals and stuff like that, they're just getting um, all the little bits of plankton and so on that tend to float past. But because they're not bound to one place like a coral – Um, they can sort of drift with the currents and and make the most of all the different food sources. So it sounds like a pretty impressive fossil, but why would it represent Canberra? Monograptus specifically is the index fossil that's used to date the state circle shale, which goes around Parliament House on Capitol Hill. 
So that's really iconic. That's a really anyone who's driven through the heart of Canberra and driven around Parliament House has seen the rock cutting there with all its amazing layers and discontinuities. So the presence of Monograptus in there is what allows us to work out exactly what age those rocks are that we're looking at. So it's found in the State Circle Shale, but where else can we find it across Canberra? Yeah, you'll often find people who are doing uh, work in their gardens, who are landscaping, putting in a pool, um, will be turning up chunks of rock and they'll find things like shells and so on, some of the other fossil emblem candidates that we've got. Um, something like the Graptolite might be totally missed because it's not quite so obvious. But I think if people had a look at all these fossils and the images, they might have it in the back of their mind next time that they're going for a dig and who knows what somebody will find. They might find one that's totally new to science. Indeed, there's definitely plenty more out there for discovery. But today we're talking about Monograptus and I'm going to give you one last chance to make your pitch for the vote for why all my listeners should choose the Monograptus. Vote for Team Raptolite, the mystery, the symbol of what is out there waiting, what we can all hope to one day perhaps discover. Tempting us all with discovery. I love that. Thanks, Jenny, for sharing all that information on Monograptus exegus. If that fossil's piqued your interest, then maybe you want to vote for it in the ACT Fossil Emblem selection. With three fossils down, two more to go. We're going to take a short break here on Fuzzy Logic and come back with our final two fossils and all the details on how you can cast your vote. Welcome back to Fuzzy Logic here on 2XXFM Community Radio in Canberra. Today we're talking about something very pertinent to our community, the selection of a fossil emblem for the Australian Capital Territory. There's five candidates up for grabs. We've heard about three of them, but there's two more to still hear from. Next up is Dr Ian Roach telling us all about his fossil of choice, the Atripa duntrunensis. It's, it's a little bivalve. It's a little clam, basically, and the little fossils are probably no bigger than your thumb, uh, the ones we've got in our collection and the ones you can go and see in Woolshed Creek, actually, near, near Duntroon there. Um, they were just a little shellfish, just lived in shallow water. They were literally happy as clams in their, uh, in their little uh, warm, uh, shallow environment. Um, and they turned out to be quite ubiquitous around the world, um, which is a, a, real, a, a real find. And, and what makes them so famous is that these little fossils are actually the first time Silurian fossils were recognised in the Southern Hemisphere. And it joined, all of a sudden, joined Australia's geology to the geology that was known in the rest of the world. And it was a revelation, an absolute world-leading revelation at the time. So our little Canberra fossil was the first to help make that link? Duntruniensis was the first, and it helped make that link between Australia and Europe. The, the gentleman who discovered it, the, the Reverend uh, William B. Clark, was what you would call a gentleman naturalist, and that was that was a very popular thing to do in the Victorian era was was for for gentlemen and gentle ladies too to become naturalists, and they would study the natural earth system, and a lot of them were actually 
learned geology at university or was self-taught. And so um, Clark actually learned geology at university um, while he was doing his, his degree in divinity and he came out to Australia to, um, to, to be a, a pastor, but he also indulged in a lot of field work and actually discovered and made a lot of geological discoveries in New South Wales. And, and so he's actually credited as being the father of Australian geology because he revolutionised and brought European ideas uh, to mapping geology in Australia. Mapping fossils across Australia just sounds like an amazing uh, career, a way to spend your time. But let's get back to the Duntronensis. This is up for the fossil emblem of Canberra. So how does it represent our territory? I think it puts the ACT on the international map. It's the, the first fossil that linked the geology here in the ACT at Woolshed Creek to what was known in the rest of the world. And I think it's, it's just so important. Um, trilobites are a dime a dozen, okay? And we've got some beautiful, don't get me wrong, we've got some beautiful trilobites here in, 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 uh, in the ACT. Um, there are some beautiful photos on Facebook recently um, connected to the um, ACT fossil emblem site of, of magnificent trilobites coming up in drill core. But, you know, trilobites really are the cockroaches of the sea. And, uh, and uh, graptolites, it's only until recently people realise what graptolites are and, and they're basically just little, little wormy things, little, little slimy, wormy things. I think uh, um, the little clams are really interesting little fossils. They're, they're, they're literally happy as clams. But the big one for me is that Duntroniensis actually showed for the first time uh, it, it Australia was linked to the rest of the world. We had rocks of a similar age, and that knowledge went on to be applied to modern plate tectonic theory. Okay, back in the early days before plate tectonics was invented in the 1940s, people knew about continental drift, and it was a German, Alfred Wegener, who, who um, first thought this up because he looked at how the continents on either side of the Atlantic Ocean fitted together and realised that you could actually piece them back together. And he thought, well, they must have drifted apart. And this is long before we knew about the mid-ocean ridges, the, the spreading centres in the oceans. And, um, and so that morphed into plate tectonic theory. But how could we prove that continental drift was occurring? Well, we needed to look for evidence on each side of the rifts. And Duntruniensis was one of those pieces of evidence. It was a little... Beautiful little clam, no bigger than your thumb, that occurred here in Australia, but also occurred in Europe, which showed that rocks were laid down at a similar time in both places in a similar environment, and it was evidence that perhaps those two areas were joined at some point. With Duntronensis in its name, this fossil has a place that's familiar to many Canberrans in its name, but where can we actually find it? There's, it's interesting. We've, we, uh, the Geological Society of Australia has devoted a lot of time to improving the site. Um, best way to get to it is to actually go and park at the playing fields in Duntroon, um, adjacent to the um, Majura Parkway, and actually to walk under the, the bridge under the parkway and up Woolshed Creek 
there's there's a, a path there you can take. And then once you get to, to Woolshed Creek, it's actually under the little um, road bridge at Pialago. Um, there's some, uh, some explanatory signs and there are some um, well-preserved examples of the little fossil uh, hidden behind a glass case. And so you can actually have a look at the environment uh, that it has, uh, was deposited in. Um, if you're brave enough and be careful of traffic, you can go and have a look at the Narrabunda ash stone, which is the little hill next to it. Please beware of traffic. And uh, that was responsible for preserving the fossils because the fossils were happily clamming away in their little bed and they got covered by a rock called the Narrabunda ash stone, uh, where it was a volcanic eruption and the ash fell into the sea and covered the fossils and preserved them. So it's all there uh, at, the, uh, at the road bridge at Pialago uh, at Walshed Creek. So that's where people can find it themselves and go exploring. But if they want to vote for it in the shortlist for the ACT fossil emblem, why should they do so, Ian? It is a world-beating fossil. Okay, trilobites, very attractive, very motile. But this humble little clam really opened people's eyes about the geology in Australia and how it connects to the rest of the world for the first time. Vote clam. Ian getting in one last pitch there to vote clam and maybe you want to. Maybe that's the fossil that you've chosen for ACT's fossil emblem. Well, there's still one more to come, so don't decide yet. Let's hear from the last fossil representative. Here's Doug Newton-Walters talking about his fossil that he thinks is the best for Canberra. So I am fully in support of a trilobite, which many of your audience may have uh, heard of as a small uh, arthropod or, or um, invertebrate. Looks a bit like one of the um, slaters or curl-up bugs that you find in your um, backyard, but you know, some of them could get to uh, 50 centimetres long or more. My particular species is um, Apocalamine coppensensis, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but its name basically uh, re uh, refers to its head. Calamine means um, beautiful crescent because of the shape of its head. Uh, and Coppensensis refers to uh, Coppens Crossing, which Canberrans will have probably heard of. Uh, and that's where it was found. Uh, Ensis is literally pertaining to or from uh, somewhere. So Coppensensis literally means from Coppens. Uh, and this particular little trilobite, Six centimetres long, bigger than our other competing trilobite, Bodhikara. So don't worry about that one. That one's uh, smaller and, and less important. Um, but uh, we're looking at something from the Silurian age, 430 million years ago, living in fairly shallow water, probably uh, cruising around either um, eating uh, things off the, off the bottom of the ocean, so uh, what we call a detritivore, eating detritus, um, or... It's 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 a little hard to know sometimes with their with these animals what their um, behaviours were like in this area. So sometimes there's a bit of um, uh, inference based on what other animals are doing. But uh, we're probably we're pretty sure that's what it was doing. Um, and uh, this particular one's really interesting because it uh, has now been recategorised. So a paper just came out a little while ago. I don't know if you've um, seen the story about how a trial bite was named after Tom Baker from Doctor Who. Um, well, it was called Gravicalamine Bakerii, and uh, the paper that that one came out in has um, proposed that apicalamine is actually now Gravicalamine, 
Um, so it may have actually changed his name. And this is a really great example of the um, ongoing efforts of science to be as accurate and reflect um, reality as much as possible. Science is all about reviewing, refining, improving on existing uh, material. So if um, someone finds evidence that suggests that apicalamine become gravicalamine, then that's awesome. Um, and uh, it's less about the name and more about how it fits in our evolutionary tree of all the animals that exist. So there's some important science going on around this fossil, but what does it actually look like, Doug? Trilobats just look really cool. They've got this real um, ancient look. They're all ribbed and ridged. Uh, Apicalamine or gravicalamine has uh, an amazing head shape uh, and uh, a, a body that uh, lends itself to a symbol quite well, just in terms of, you know, the, the art that if you want to draw it, put it on, on a symbol, it's very, uh, very um, photogenic. So it might look good as a symbol, but how does it actually represent the ACT in Canberra? The area it was found, Coppins Crossing, is pretty much slap bang in the middle of the ACT. Um, so it's right in the centre. It's from the rock formations that are all throughout Canberra. And Canberra's part of the Great Dividing Range, which is a giant set of ripples that ripple through the east coast of Australia, which is exactly what this trilobite looks like, just lots of ripples. <laughs> so, um, you know, fr- from that, um, that perspective, it, it poetically resembles the landscape. Um, it's um, an uh, ancient animal from a very, very... Uh, successful group of animals. So the trilobites were everywhere. At one time, trilobites are one of the most common organisms on the planet. They were tiny to huge and they filled every trophic niche throughout the entire ocean. Um, you know, there wasn't the range of diversity of, of organisms we have now uh, and trilobites were extremely successful. So we're talking about something that's tough, successful and conquered the planet. So, you know, we're punching above its weight, and Canberra punches above its weight. I love that. We're a little backless city doing the best that we can with our small size, but doing amazing things. Well, there's many Canberrans who would certainly be keen to find this fossil, but where would they find it, Doug? So all of the rocks in Canberra are mostly around the same age. We're looking for uh, uh, volcanic rock um, uh, uh, near... Um, sandstones, limestones, um, which are generally compacted sand and mud from the bottom of the ocean. So over time, just the actual weight of layers on top of each other squash it until it becomes really hard. So um, the particular kind of uh, rock that you'd be looking in is fairly fine-grained. Most of the fossils that um, my fellow spruikers will be referring to all come from rock of a similar style or type because it's that kind of rock that is the best at preserving fossils because the grains are so thin, so small, so fine. It's almost like talcum powder. It pr- perfectly co- coats an organism's body and leaves an impression that's, um, you know, basically um, flawless. So you can't tell the difference. Uh, and uh, a bit like, almost like making a... Um, a, a cast from so plaster of Paris or something like that. Just, just, just that's the kind of material you're working with. Uh, and so you'd be looking at um, anywhere that rock has been broken. Uh, so the edges of, of the, of rivers are a great place to, to look for it, which is why Coppins crossing was where it was found. Uh, so the most likely areas to find fossils of any kind are generally where rock has worn away, where water has eroded it, where it's been broken open. And that generally breaks it down through the layers 
because all of the layers have formed over millions of years. So to find the right layer, some rocks might be of a younger age or an older age. So you have to find the right layers to be able to find fossils uh, of this particular age. So there's many opportunities to find this fossil out there. But if we want it as our emblem, Doug, pitch me one last time. Why should we vote for Coppin Census? It has a famous relative in Gravicalamine Bakeria, which is one of the greatest Doctor Whos of all time. Going out for the nerd vote there. I mean, we're already talking about trial votes, so what, are we, what am I kidding myself? We're all nerds, which is awesome. Uh, but also, trial votes punched above their weight. Canberra punches above its weight. If you want something tough, something uh, successful, you go with the trilobite. What a way to finish there with Doug and his high-achieving trilobite. Now it's time, listeners, for you to cast your vote. We've gone back in time to explore the fossils that filled this Canberran region of ours, the Australian Capital Territory. But which of these fossils best represents us? Is it the bad-tasting brachiopod, Retziella capricorniae? Is it the cute and charming trilobite, Batacara michelli? How about that mysterious hidden graptolite, Monograptus exegus? Or the humble little clam, the brachiopod, a tripodontrinensis? Or is it that tough trilobite punching above its weight, Apicalamine coppensensis? It's up to you to vote, folks, and you can do so online at the ACT Fossil Emblem website. Head to inspiringtheact.org.au where you can click the link for the ACT Fossil Emblem and cast your vote now. It's time to make a choice. Which fossil represents our history of Canberra? Take the chance, take a vote, make an impression and choose a fossil for Canberra's future. 